Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. Hello, everybody. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. This is Sean Martin, your host, where I have the pleasure of trying to figure out how to operationalize security uh, so that the business can succeed safely uh, versus being blocked from uh, technology and people who think they both know better than the business does. Um, it's a balance. And, uh, and, I have an interesting, well, I mean, it's not interesting, a, a common view, but not, maybe not one that's so common that it's widespread and, and proficiently employed, uh, but looking at this from the viewpoint of risk, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I'm fortunate to be part of, part of a program at, uh, at Pepperdine uh, Crosidio Business School and, and uh, love the topic of risk. So when I was introduced to Ryan, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Steve. So, oh, sorry, Sean. <laughs> I'll, I'll go by Steve today. That's cool. Yeah. Just got, Maybe, depends where the conversation goes. I might want to be Steve. Yeah. No, but uh, when I was introduced to you and then this topic, I was like, yes, please. Um, can never talk about it enough because I, I think it's it's really the starting point for many. Well, the original starting point is what do you want to accomplish? Uh, and you have to bake the risk conversation into that. I think right. a, lot of, a lot of folks jump straight to uh, controls. Well, maybe I should wrap some policies around that or, or, uh, this, this new, this new company has this new stuff to offer. Let me see how I can fit it in. And I think generally we often miss the, the whole point of risk management, which can be hard, um, to, to deal with sometimes. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And, uh, it's rooted in a book that you wrote, um, mm -hmm. understand, manage, and measure cyber risk, practical solutions for creating a sustainable cyber program, um, which is two things, right? <laughs> Catchy the, title, first of the, all. <laughs> the, 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 inter, the intersection there. Um, yeah. You, you do one to lead to the other, um, which is kind of my point, I guess, that I made earlier. 
But uh, before we get into all, all the all the fun bits that uh, people who geek out on risk like us do uh, will enjoy, uh, tell them a little bit about who Ryan is and what you're up to. Ah, sure. So, well, first, thanks again for having me, Sean. <laughs> so Ryan Lervick, um, been in security for probably about, well, actually 20 years this year, since 2003. So finally hit the due decade mark. Um, <clears throat> largely, you know, IT developer, you know, database guy turned security uh, individual when uh, I'd secure the database uh, that I was working on at the Department of Defense and then turned pretty quickly into cyber warfare uh, DOD for um, just under 10 years. So um, spent a lot of time in that space, fell in love with the industry and thought, you know, this is, this is kind of how I think, right? You can always look at systems and practical designs and architectures and say, all right, well, how's this going to fail, right? Like, where's, where's this going to break? And, and if it does, why does it matter? So left that largely to go point towards the commercial space, say, all right, you know, given as much that we rely on IT as sort of an enabler, Right. And, you know, IT is sort of imperfect. Right. Let's not call it flawed, but call it imperfect. And then we keep stacking more imperfect technology on imperfect technology. You know, the, the imperfections line up pretty well for nefarious individuals to sort of, you know, get after critical information. So I've been spending a lot of time over the last 10 years uh, on the commercial space, helping think through the problem and making sure that, you know, helping add, you know, at least a point of view on how do we keep the fundamentals uh, top of mind when we hit issues like you just brought up, right? Like what tools should we buy, right? Where should we hire? Where should we be focusing on from a you know, practical standpoint from our programs, right? Like, and there didn't seem to be any, you know, there didn't seem to be any handbook out there that's like, all right, <clears throat> if I want to pull all these things together and really from a practical sense, you know, have, a, have an idea of what I should be paying attention to. Um, I mean, I know I was grappling for something like that and it didn't exist. So just over time, sort of putting the pieces together and, um, you know, launched the book a couple of years ago that sort of acts as a playbook to just say, look, when, you know, when we're stuck, here's three things to think about from understanding what the risk is to managing it to, you know, putting measures in place to, to manage it. And just became a practical guide guidebook, I guess. So love it. Yeah, that's what we do. Love it. Well, I'm, I'm excited to get into this and and uh, I've never really thought about it this way before, but uh, I think we share a common common entry point into this world um, in, in the database world, funny enough. And, and mm-hmm. one of my first engineering projects, and we're talking mid nineties here to kind of set the, set the stage. My first engineering project was on a, it was a flat file database that uh, essentially housed very sensitive private. I was working for a landscape company, very sensitive, sensitive private information about, plant material and, and, uh, fertilizers Mm -hmm. and, uh, pests and, and abatement to, to protect against, protect the plants against the the pests. And it was basically the company's secret sauce that they wanted to provide access to the people that work there and not the competitors. And so they did a risk analysis and said, we need to provide this. We have to protect it. Sean, go off and figure out a way to, uh, to do that. So that was kind of one of my first engineering projects and it happened to be a security <laughs> project as well but driven by risk right yeah the company understood what the what the value of that information was and what we needed to do to protect it and so i never really thought about it that way but yeah your thoughts on and that. and that's the core right there right like so yeah, i would argue we've 
that's the, the, the very essence of security is understanding what's important and why it needs to be protected. Right? That's it. Everything else is sort of everything else, right? And this is, I think, some of the challenges that we see in security these days. It's like we see a new threat or no new vulnerability or some new tool. And all of a sudden, the questions are around like, great, what do we do about that threat? What do we do about that vulnerability? What do we do about that new tool? Let's go, let's go buy it. Let's do, do whatever without actually thinking through. I mean, not always, but without immediately thinking through, all right, why does it matter? Right? Is that particular threat pointed on something that's critical? Like getting the fertilizer information, right? And understanding how it might be weaponized, right? In certain ways, right? Or a particular type of fertilizer that you want to keep the IP on, right? And it could be leaked, which if leaked, then you get copycats and then all of a sudden your market share goes down. Like why these things are important, right? Or the vulnerabilities that you might be putting on systems somewhere, right? And these are the challenges. Like, do we even know what's important? And I, and I find that like the more we get away from that, the more busy we become, and but less secure we we become, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that so let's let's unpack this a little bit. We can use my example or yours or others. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, so I think I think generally, and I'm, and I'm trying to think back if they articulated all the reasons why it was important. I don't know that it mattered to me. And this may be a interesting point. I don't know if it mattered to me if it's important or how or mm -hmm. why it was important, just that it was and what they didn't want to happen to it. And yeah. in those days, I mean, I was also responsible for a lot of uh, infrastructure development and deployment. Uh, we're setting up uh, line lines between offices, uh, <laughs> right? Direct T1s yeah. and things like that. So yeah. pre pre broad spread internet type, type thing. So access to it on as it publicly facing web app was not an issue, right? It was a, right. it was a desktop app available to only certain people, presumably. So the scope was very different. So I guess the yeah. couple points there, I guess we can talk about one is they told me it was important and why it was important, not, not in every situation. So I just kind of knew that I had to do something and I, I knew the scope of where it was kind of vulnerable understanding the network that it wasn't going to be on that or or how it was i think it ultimately was on the network as well but so let, let's unpack that a little bit um kind of the, the under description communication around understanding the risk yeah and yeah that's the, scoping the, the controls around it yeah and that that is the hard part because a lot of times not a lot of times but generally you can see where you're either told it's important and don't understand why but you have the authority to uh, keep it uh, safeguarded, right? Or on the flip side, sometimes organizations are in a situation where there, there is critical information or critical assets, right? Uh, connected networks, connected uh, applications that do connect to things that are critical that may not be seen as critical, but you as the uh, practitioner recognize if they were to fail, they, you know, you could have some level of massive impact to the organization but the organization doesn't know it's critical, right? So there's there's two sides of it, um, and to unpack that a little bit, you know, Sean, to use your terminology here, no matter wh what it is, you know, there's there's almost like this lack of a rubric around like how we you know how we categorize our assets, right? I mean, there's there's a, there's a plenty that are coming out now, and we're seeing some of them over the last couple of years, which is good, but a way to actually identify like what do we mean by critical, and a, a variety of different examples, you know, have been out or you know, but not identify, not seeing the crisp ones show up enough as we'd like. I mean, like NIST, 
you know, has a good definition in the IR 7621, I think, um, you know, sort of breaks it down into five categories, right? It's like lost, lost work, lost access, uh, incident response, you know, fees, that's like your IR teams you have to pay out, legal fees uh, and lost work and, and uh, you know, lost business, right? If, you know, having a way of actually looking at this from an organizational standpoint of what the actual impact is, right, is wildly helpful to sort of, you know, weed out what is important and what is not important, right? They're all, you know, or let's just put it in normal problems, like what's critical and what's not critical. So in the fertilizer situation, like, if the organization's, you know, intellectual property is the, the makeup of that fertilizer, I would assume, right? Like that's why I made it critical, right? So they want to yep. keep the recipe. Yep. Okay. So that's sort of your, you know, number one crown jewel, if you will, right? Um, the the impact of that coming out would be what, right? The impact of that being leaked of what the actual formula is, is again, we talked about it a few minutes ago, like copycats taking it, right? As long as it's not like, there's not legal protection around it, right? Uh, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. So it doesn't stop people, as we see. Um, but you know, competitors could use something similar, right? Or start butting up against the the patent. And next thing you know, like your ability to serve the market based on your research and development that you've put in for that particular product, right? To get there, and you're expecting a return on that through your sales, wildly diminishes. Uh, your ability to service the market if somebody comes in and undercuts you because they don't have to make up that R&D cost. So even though at the time as a database administrator or, you know, at least putting things together, you may not know why it's critical. The fact that they're able to identify that it's critical and put safeguards around it and prioritize it says that, okay, at least we know from a security standpoint what problem we're solving for. We're solving for, you know, zero exposure of uh, the mix that is in, you know, X fertilizer. Right. And that gets just having that simple definition and understanding for all the security team or practitioners or even IT folks, be it database or network engineers or, you know, however, the however, the rest of the corporate network is 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 architected and uh, deployed. Right. Understanding what's critical immediately has puts hyper focus, you know, on those that are actually in the deployment phase or in the architecture phase or even in the procurement side to know we need to be protecting this information in ways and it at least heightens the awareness, if nothing else, if you don't have controls or standards or procedures around it. So just a simple definition uh, of, you know, categorizing it that way as, you know, as critical matters so that people know what's important. Right. Yep. Yep. And excellent point because I'm, as I alluded to at the beginning, um, it was basically just a flat file of a bunch of stuff. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. somebody accessed it and, and, was able to look through it all and use it for whatever purpose they wanted. There was really no yeah. logic. Some notes document somewhere. Right. So to your point, maybe, <laughs> so maybe, uh, yeah, kind of similar to that, just formatted right. a certain way. Um, yeah. And, but there, in a more complex world, now granted this is early days and, and it, it was a cool use of technology to provide access to information that people wouldn't have gotten access to otherwise. But, start throwing business logic around it, right? Different use mm -hmm. cases, different users, different scenarios, different context. Maybe yeah. parts of that data are, are important to protect, not all of it. Um, maybe different contexts, open and close different, different paths uh, to different yeah. parts of the data. And so understanding, to your point earlier, why and what 
the what really matters in that sense too. So it was a blanket scope of just protect this. But if, if that thing grew out and, and was web facing and had multiple users in different roles and different data sets that had to be manipulated specific ways, it gets a little more uh, complex. <laughs> Right. It, it does. Yeah. And, and the way to sort of break down the complexity that I've seen in the work is a, a really easy trick, right? Is what's, what's really important to the business versus what's important to, uh, to the individual. Right. And so if you can answer that, sometimes it helps you sort of, you know, push you more into what, what's going to have impact on the business. So it should it get out or leaked or compromised in any way. Right. Uh, or manipulated, right? Which is a form of you know, compromise, um, and the stuff that doesn't it won't be as impactful. Like you know, let's just let's just go with the fact that I said earlier, like maybe not as important. Everything is important, but there are degrees of importance, right? So one big trick, and we see this a lot with insurance, right? Is like, okay, well, what's critical, right? And and for those that are running the algorithms and and identifying sort of the underwriting pieces, like they think that the algorithms are a crown jewel, absolutely, hundred percent. But is it right? Because what might be important to the individual to do their job may not be important to the outside. So how valuable is an algorithm on weather patterns in, you know, southern Florida for underwriting, um, you know, uh, let's just let's say uh, motor vehicles. Right. Well, for the business, it's pretty important to get that number right. But if it were leaked, right, or, or exposed in some way. No one can use it because if a competitor tried to use it, that's against the law and they're probably not going to risk their business on using it, right? But what is important is what assets you're actually underwriting, right? How valuable are those assets? Where are they? Where are the, key, where are the keys to them? Where are the, where are the extra keys? Who has access to them, right? Now that's something that's important because it's valuable to the outside, right? And a quick trick could be, all right, is this valuable to an attacker or is this valuable to the business? And, you know, make the distinction between the two. Now you understand if it's important for the business, could have impact on the business. Now we're talking about something that's critical, right? Because, it, you know, um, if it's just important to an individual to do their job, although important for the job and lost work could happen if it, you know, if it were compromised. But if it were leaked, you know, from a data breach standpoint, maybe not as you know, catastrophic to the business, right? That's a simple, yep. simple way to simple way to look at it to start the conversation. And then, of yep. course, you can push into all the, you know, um, the pieces that are out there now in terms of just, you know, running through a quick assessment of, you know, do we put a dollar value to it? Do we do a high, medium, low? I mean, you know, they don't take time. It just takes dedicated effort to try to figure it out. <laughs> and it's not easy. Yeah. And again, back in, you know, in the context of, oh, yeah, if we only had time to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's easy. It's easy to look back on something and, and say, okay, that was, that's how that was. What we did make sense. Probably doesn't fly now, given where it might be with the advances in technology. Um, but what I did, I want to talk about here, which is I just jumped in and started talking about it. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm wondering if you have any, any thoughts or advice on because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that having a, a framework for how to have a conversation might be an important thing to have and setting the stage for those who you're going to have that with so they understand their role in that conversation, what you're bringing, what they're bringing, what the outcome is, might be helpful as well. And mm -hmm. somebody like me jumping straight to, here's how this looks. <laughs> right. 
might not yeah. be helpful. Uh, maybe it is if it's if it's storytelling driven and that's part of the framework. But talk to me a little about maybe some of this is covered in your book. Talk to me about kind of setting that that frame, that stage, that relationship with the stakeholders. Perfect. Yeah, we always need people that are ready to jump in. <laughs> so that's always that that is usually, you know, the best. Um, two things. What I was surprised at is some of the fundamentals that um, we've kind of gotten away with. So to me, the, the initial framing, right, um, is do we know what the risk actually is? Like, do we have a good definition of risk? And why is that important? Because it helps, you know, demystify what the risk is not, right? The pitfall to avoid in most risk conversations, you know, is is talking about pieces that don't necessarily apply to the risk because we only have so much so many resources, right? Time being one, money, uh, and, you know, effectively individuals to help uh, solve the problem. So having a clear, crisp definition of risk, like, the, you know, NIST IR 7621, or, you know, ISO's got a good one. There's, there's a handful of ones out there that, you know, categorically define risks and, sorry, define threats and vulnerabilities plus impact of the business. And as long as we're talking about impact of the business, you got a risk, right? So, I mean, we're in, at the end of the day, from a corporate standpoint or an enterprise standpoint, we're in the risk management game, right? trying to mitigate, identify the risks early on so you can mitigate it. And so the real challenge is inviting people into this world that don't come from it or find it very mysterious, right? So, I mean, look, you know, cyber used to be information assurance, right? It's like, do we have certain controls in place to ensure that the information like fertilizer, right, are protected in a way, even if it's a flat file and we got we to gotta load it in, we gotta, you know, what was the term back in the day? ETL it, right? Extract, transfer, and load it into another database, right? Somewhere that we're, we're mindful of the sensitivity of the data, right? And there's there's that piece of it. But now it, it's gotten so complex. We call it cyber. Like people don't understand the difference. You know, most people that aren't in technology have a hard time comprehending it. This is where frameworks can really come in, like standard frameworks, right? So, you know, NIST, ISO, COBIT, you know, uh, Highmark, depending on where, what business you're in right, or what industry you're in, you could use frameworks to say, all right, from a guideline standpoint, at least we can, again, same with risk, start categorizing these problems so we can invite our peers in to have conversations without using the word cyber or without using a technical term that may not be as well understood as, you know, we might have, you know, asset management, inventory management, patch management, right? anything that has to do with you know something that may need a little bit of understanding of the underlying problem that we're trying to solve and these industry frameworks can be really helpful to get the get the conversation started it's like all right great like this csf you know they all have their merits but the the beauty of the csf is it starts with five categories soon to be six coming up in the fall of 23 right um that really home in on what the problem is okay great like number one identify okay what does that mean know your most critical assets. We just spent a decent amount of time talking about it. Why is it important? Because that's where the risk is. If those ever are, you know, compromised, not available, or the integrity of it falls down, like classic CIA model starts to break down, well, now the people and the organizations or the enterprises that rely on that, right, become, uh, it becomes compromised and the confidence in those systems or those assets or that information becomes compromised now we've got a problem because the business is at risk right at the end of the day so the csf starts there right and then sort of builds out from all right do we know what we're protecting so this gets to the compensating controls 
right? Do we have controls in place to protect what we know is important? Great, that's the next layer, right? Okay, what if those break down? Can we detect any threats or you know, can we monitor or discover any potential uh, event that might do harm to the organization through you know, breaking through the meaningful safeguards to get to the to get to the most important information, right? You see how there's you can sort of layer this in and having a conversation with your peers and managers or you know across or even above from the oversight or executive committee, you start to have a conversation where you're not even using the word cyber, you're not using mysterious terms, you're just saying, Do we know it's important? Can we protect it? Can we detect it? Oh, and by the way, there's two other pieces that we always forget about, right? Which is can we respond and can we recover quickly? Well, what do we mean by that? Great. Let's say there's an active threat. How quickly can we identify it and put a team in place to start identifying what's actually happening, right? You may or may not even get the attribution, but that's not the issue right away. The issue is that you've got visibility that you can see it. And now all of a sudden, like you've got a team in place. Well, that's a really important question. So the respond to have, you know, a category of respond really make, makes a difference for most organizations of any size. Because if we spend too much time on protect and detect and not enough on what's important and responding, well, then who cares? <laughs> That's part of the issue. And then, of course, last but least, like you get into the recover piece, like, all right, if we can't recover quickly, well, then the whole business can fail. Right now, we know these models from basic risk management you know, tools uh, for a long time, right, in physical risk management for, you know, uh, plants and others. Uh, for financial risk management, um, the challenge that we have in cybersecurity is, you know, there's this mysterious layer more than it was in the financial world, right? Because at least financially, people can understand, hey, you've got money, you're deploying it in one place, uh, taking it out from another, and there's a risk that it could get lost. Okay, it's a finite number, right? With, you know, some sort of currency involved. Here, it's a little bit different. There's systems, there are networks, right? There's applications, right? There's data, right? So there's a variety of different assets that can fall into this. So this is where frameworks come in pretty pretty closely, or pretty tightly, I should say, to, to tighten up the conversation so that we at least have a starting point to you know, jump in, <laughs> if you will, right? And start working the problem. And it, it actually winds up being very helpful from a deployment of assets, because now you can say, all right, you know, do we actually know where our, what's important? Great. All right. Now, do we know if we're protecting it? All right. How many assets can we put towards that? Right? Do we know how to detect it? Do we do we know how to respond and recover? And from a from a practical cybersecurity risk management standpoint, you you basically get a, a roadmap or at least a you know an architecture of how to start building out your teams. Yep. So as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking that there's always the, the the first step to anything IT and and security which is well, what do we have yeah. <laughs> so, right the, the identification yeah. the inventory, it always comes up right what do you have yeah. and then you have to figure out well what does it do how important is it how's it connected to the rest of the things and <clears throat> and, and getting getting that knowledge can be super difficult right yeah nearly impossible i mean yeah. small organizations have the benefit because you can probably talk to everybody about what they're using you know and have you have you set up some rogue access points somewhere right that uh, that isn't you know that you're bouncing through 
uh, and using when you're far enough away from the corporate network or whatever. I mean, today today's day and age is a little bit different, you know, um, but from a physical standpoint. But yeah, but large organizations, I mean, nobody does asset management well. Very, very few people do asset management really well. So you're, you're in constant discovery of what's being connected uh, to your uh, enterprise, right? Be it any and all things, right? And and the push to cloud hasn't necessarily made it better, right? Because then the, in, in times, and we see this quite a bit, the fundamental architecture, right? Um, you know, the, the rush to get something up and running sort of supersedes the monitoring and the access, you know, credentials, credentialing and access, uh, you know, privilege access management, access management in general, and then the architecture so that the, at least from a monitoring or logging standpoint, the, the SOC or SIM has some visibility into it. Those seem to go the wayside sometimes just to quickly push into, you know, a, a new infrastructure that's automatically push button set up for you. Um, and let's forget about that little private public toggle switch that could mean, oh, if it's critical data, let's put it private. So don't, you know, release it to the world per se or make it public and now everybody can find it. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the ability to make errors now is a lot easier and the stakes are higher than, you know, they are uh, or were a long time ago, right? And back to the layering of, you know, imperfect technology and imperfect technology deployed imperfectly, right? That's a, it's a three-tiered problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean... My sense is that uh, a lot of this, and maybe this, maybe this makes it t difficult as well. Just uh, if you can't get a full, complete picture, which, by the way, will change tomorrow anyway, um, you kind of have to have a big picture view of what's what, how do things work, and yeah. uh, I think a lot of that comes down to at least from my perspective, business logic, right? So mm -hmm. these are these are the businesses we're in. These are the transactions we enable. These are the workflows that make that possible. Eventually, you get down to the systems and uh, that make it happen. But, but underneath that is all the data. You're also trying to protect for availability and confidentiality and integrity as well. So how, if that's at least partially true, mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, how do we have a conversation then to uncover that in a meaningful way? Um, yeah, this is a hard part, right? Um, and, and I'd be curious as your thoughts on this, because in, in, in my experience, not everybody in the security world knows what the business actually does, right? From a marketing standpoint. I mean, look, let's be honest, like the management tech divide is still alive and well for Sometimes good reasons and other times, you know, not good reasons. Right? And the reality of what the business actually does and what the business logic is required in order to meet the stated goals and objectives of the business may not be well understood. And if the and that is a problem in and of itself, not so much in the day-to-day -day activities of the security, because we can still do security without it, but understanding what's important to the business. We keep saying the business, you know, or the enterprise, right? Whether you're in quote business or not, you, you every organization has a mission, right? That you, you're organized for some reason, right? Be it, you know, anything across the spectrum from, you know, highly capital to widely, you know, benevolent, right? There's a wide spectrum there. But the issue is every organization is organized in a way to, to meet a stated objective. And the real question is like that quote business logic 
is really important to say, all right, what, wait, what matters to the business? Because when we rely on the technology so much that there may be instances where there's flaws or imperfections in it that really impact the overall mission, right? Critical infrastructure comes to mind right away, right? Um, that it, the, the impact can be catastrophic. So in, in my view, and again, I'm, Sean, I'm curious of what you've seen here. I haven't necessarily seen a you know, a one-to-one -one relationship every time between, you know, the, the, those that are in security and an understanding of what the business does. So maybe, you know, that might be one way to really help understand what's critical and sort of make sure we've got, you know, the proper assets identified, which is almost impossible, right? Or at least compensating controls around them, you know, quote, defense in depth, right? And ways where we can start to identify, uh, you know, uh, pieces that, uh, let's say, how do we say this right? That could do harm to the business. If the, the more we understand the business architecture and what what the stated goals and objectives of uh, the business are, the easier it is to you know reduce the impact of that. But that's you know that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, and I I think there's no way around looking at the lowest level um, at the lowest level. Um, there's this system with this OS running these apps, these services, hosting this data with, and making it accessible through these connections. Right. How do we protect that? Right. And there, there's a there's a baseline level of security for all those elements. Right. It may require multiple layers to to kind of protect that thing, and then the data as it crosses. And so you kind of have those elements that I think we can't get away away from yep. it. So somebody needs to understand that and attack this problem from that level. But I think, I think where it becomes really interesting is, is having those conversations. And I, I apologize that, that I have to go here, but I, I, I keep thinking about generative AI, <laughs> where in, instead of looking at a, a dashboard with a bunch of assets with labels that presumably means something to somebody. Mm -hmm. If, if I could ask a system, a question, what, what does this business unit do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. How, do, how does it do it? Um, draw me a diagram that shows me how things are set up to enable that business to, to succeed. Mm -hmm. I can then get a picture of, all right, I have some things in on premises. I have some things in the cloud. I have these apps that we bought. I have these apps we built. I have these, um, I can start to drill down into figuring out what's underneath the hood, but at least in the big picture, I can see, all right, these are the, these are the critical areas of that workflow, which, and then these are the critical lines between the, the key transaction points in that workflow. Mm -hmm. um, and in those pipes are our data sets that we care deeply about uh, and the mm -hmm. transactions we care deeply about. And then that paints a picture that I think most people can have a conversation around, mm -hmm. right? Then that translates and is the, uh, I think that while may, may be hard, I think is feasible. Um, forget chat GPT or that, I think, but, but having that conversation right. is right. feasible. I think translating that then into 
something IT and security can can do something with, um, I think is probably more challenging and it probably requires some tool sets or whatever to, to help with that. But so I think that's where the, the bottom up and the top down come together in some sense. If we can, we can see what systems are heavily used, um, they have the, the, which networks have the most throughput, uh, whatever, and kind of map that back to the business stuff. We can kind of then paint another picture that says, these are, this is what's important to the business. This is where a lot of the stuff's happening under the hood. These are the exposure. Obviously, you have to look at the exposure and threat levels yep. for those as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm probably just talking in circles here, but that's kind of my view on this. <laughs> it's great. And this is where you know database administrators or folks that come from the data world have a sort of a leg up on this, right? Mm -hmm. So where you and I came from, <clears throat> right, in terms of identifying what data needs to go where and how we, you know, either normalize it or put it all together. This is where the generative AI matters. What data sets are you pointing it at? What's it using, right, to, to form the, you know, where, where are the machines pointed towards to get the logic to then learn, right, and move forward? Like, and what's, what's in and what's out? And when you have sort of a, call it a legacy point of view, right, from, from sort of the old school data days, right? You can see this, like, well, if you're not looking at certain data sets, you'll miss some of those critical nodes. So for example, there, there are, a, uh, let's not say a decent amount, but there are a number of, you know, let's just, let's go into the technical debt world, right, for a moment. <clears throat> Organizations, you know, like the IT's enabler, let's go back to that as well, right? So you've got this IT's enabler, you know, organizations don't necessarily spend a lot, don't, don't wow, that's a wild generality. So the, the key here is that you know, organizations may or may not spend a lot on tech refresh, if you will, and they may not refresh all of the all of the, the technology, right? And, you know, large organizations just don't do that typically from a capital expenditure standpoint, right? So if you're pointing sort of this new generative AI and you've got, you understand what, where the code is and how it's actually thinking and learning, if you're missing data sets that may be in some tape backup storage somewhere that didn't get pulled over to the operational side, you may miss things that only happen every five or six years, right? And now you've got a, a warped sense of what might be critical when you forget, oh, every five years, we have to have this particular report for this federal agency or this, you know, compliance piece or whatever the case is, some, you know, 40% owner that asks for this every five years. If we're not looking at the complete data set, then the, the output may sound great and feel great, but it's incomplete. And, you know, this is where that legacy data understanding of what, what the whole picture looks like first, you know, sort of matters, right? And, and you can see how this, you know, wherever we point it can, I don't say go off the rails, but the, but the picture can be incomplete. Um, pretty quickly if the if the data sources aren't uh, holistic right I and mean, that's a thing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah yeah no i completely yeah. agree and i mean we, we can look at the gpt three five four whatever yeah uh, limited to up to 2021 right so you're going to get oh sure interesting stuff that might be valuable and useful and meaningful but not complete <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause some, and, some of the data is just not queryable. Like it's, yeah. it's, or, or, or the opposite, it is queryable, but the, you know, the lookup, if you will, um, 
doesn't know to look for it or can't ingest it when it does show up, right? Like, right. Think back to the flat files, like whatever it was delimited yeah, yeah. by, like, you know, comma, tab, you know, yeah. pipe, whatever. It's like, ah, if you've missed the commas, you know, yeah. you're not going to get that data set because yeah. didn't know exactly. to look for them. I eliminated from the query because I just figured, you know, it might be a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> right? Structured, like, structured but, unstructured data. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And this is what gets so interesting with like just the fundamentals, right? The more we sort of push up the, the, the stack, without that common through line of mm -hmm. hey, this, this is the type of data or type of system or, or network that's really critical to the business, without really fundamentally understanding that, we, we do ourselves a bit of a dis disservice you know, by hyper-focusing on other places because then we're missing the thing that, oh, by the way, the attacker's gonna find because we're not looking at it, and all of a sudden we'll have an issue. Right now I say that tongue-in-cheek because it's really hard to get these, all these things under management or even understand what they are. But at a fundamental level, it still is a, it's a goal worth pursuing because if we know what we own, right, and we know what's important, then we have a, at least we're, ha we, we've, we've got a half solved problem, right, because it's well defined. And now it's a function of, all right, you know, protecting it in a way that we protect the access controls and protect the access to it, right, you know, pathways and, of course, the use and, you know, a manipulation of the, the information. But you know, without focusing on that, right? You know, next thing we know, we're we're focused on the tooling around it. And we we're going to miss the, the the core piece, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it always comes back to the fundamentals in some way. I know, right? I know, and, I, that, and that's where yeah. I want to go next because I mean, yeah. in, in, in the Pollyanna world that I that I described, where there's some executive level committee having these conversations that paint the nice picture. Yeah. Probably not going to happen anytime soon, um, and security is still sitting there trying to figure out, well, where, where do I invest? How do I ensure the controls are in place and that the investments are providing the return on risk mitigation that the company's expecting of me? Yeah. Yeah. So how, and how do we, how do we get there as, as we kind of wrap up here? Oh, great. Yeah. So Sean, three, three simple things. And again, these, these aren't easy, but they're simple, right? One, understanding what we're talking about when we talk about risk, right? Defining the risk problem. Okay, great. Then having it under management. All right, what are we using from a framework standpoint to guide the program? And that will help line up the initiatives, activities or initiatives that the organization is funding to address the cybersecurity problem, the risk problem, that's number one, right? <clears throat> and if we, if we do that in a way that's sufficient in other words, we've got categorical definitions of what we're trying to look for. So like any one of the frameworks do this, right? You can line up activities to them, who actually owns them, what date, you know, they're due by. So you can actually, it's like a program management list, right? Then we can assign measures to it, which is the last part to say, hey, do we even know if we're doing well? How do we know what percentage of assets we have identified as critical? Like, how do we know how many employees are passing the annual application management poly, you know, policy awareness program? Right? How do we even know like the time to discovered threat to response activity? Right? These are ways to sort of bring all those things in context. So at least everyone's on the same page. And once you get everybody on the same page, right? Regardless of what the page looks like, everybody's on it. You know? yep. And like that, that again, a well-defined problem becomes half solved because now you can invite other people into the problem set without using words like cyber, without using, you know words that we love and we understand, but may not be understood in HR or in procurement, right? Especially when it comes to third-party risk, right? Or in the legal community, right? And it gets us all on the same page to say, all right, well, we know what we're me measuring. We know what we're managing. So we know what we're measuring, 
right? And then we can change the measures over time as we start to mature. And now at least we've got a program to start playing, you know, start moving forward to at a fundamental level. That that then back to your sort of, you know, the proverbial boardroom where these conversations are happening, we have a fundamental place like, okay, do we know what problem it is we're solving for? Are we all on the same page? Yeah, okay, great. Because you have smart people in the room that are, yeah. you know, there for a reason. Question is, do we have a rubric or a framework or a way of thinking through the problem that, you know, eliminates the assumptions and puts the, puts the point squarely on what the problem really looks like, right? And yeah, this is just one way to do it. Yeah, and gets, it gives those people an opportunity to contribute in a way that matters, mm -hmm. right? That's right. And, yeah. and not to your point on assumptions, but also um, just why well, I, I don't think I know, so I'm not going to contribute because I don't want to influence in a way that's not helpful. When, right. When in fact, if you can actually open it up for them to be helpful and then com being comfortable in doing so, you're going you're yeah. to get a bit much better picture of that so yeah sean it's like an architecture yeah right yeah. i mean it, it's the distinction of saying hey go build me something and the, and the best person who builds the best bathrooms in the world is sitting back going i don't know what to build and so i'm not gonna say anything and next thing you know you have an office building with no bathrooms but if you come and say hey we're gonna build an office building which means we need parking right we need restrooms we need and all of a sudden you know the the bathroom person in this scenario yeah. says oh great well how many do we need and because yeah. if, if you lay out the architecture first and say this is this is how we're going to walk through this problem set. Now you, you invite people in to contribute that might have something you may not have expected. Yeah, yeah. that's it's a good uh, point. My question is how many cafes are on each floor? Because <laughs> yeah, we and need our coffee. How, and how close are the restaurants? Exactly. So I'm, I'm driven by food and coffee. But um, no, yeah. super super cool conversation, Ryan. And uh, I think we probably my brain hurts thinking about this a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but in a good way. So I'm sure those listening are probably trying to unravel some things. And, and that's where I kind of go back to the frameworks you mentioned. We can mm -hmm. include some links for those. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you to help me make sure we have the right ones there. And, of course, your book that helps uh, helps kind of guide folks through some of this as well. You probably include the, the, the frameworks in the book, too. So, Hands down. Um, yep. Yep. So and I some, think and the, some practical examples. So it's like, hey, stuck here, it. use yep. this. It's like it's almost like a it's like a guidebook, right? Nice. Where are you stuck? Stuck in this part of the problem? Great. Read that particular piece, implement nice. it, see if it works, move on to the next one, or don't. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Well, I think uh, I think we'll cover. I'll, I'll recap with two points. Don't be afraid to jump in like I did, but and but don't be afraid to put some framing around it as well. So. So you know that you're actually doing something that matters. <laughs> exactly. Know you're solving so, the right problem, right? We, exactly. we love problem solvers, yeah. but the question is, are we solving the right one? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right on, Ryan. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for having this chat with me and uh, being part of the show. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, if you, if you have your own thoughts or ideas, I'd, I'd be very open to hear them on uh, social media. Um, course if you like the conversation share it with your friends and your enemies and uh, subscribe all that good stuff as you probably are figuring out i'll put notes uh, that include the links to the to uh, ryan's book and his profile and whatnot so you can connect with him as well and uh stay tuned much more coming obviously on redefining cybersecurity here on itsp magazine thanks everybody thank you sean
Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.